0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tectonic. My name is Mark Hurst. I'll be your host for the next hour here on WFMU, Freeform Station of the Nation, live from Jersey City in the great state of New Jersey. Happy to be here and uh, have what I think is a, a really important show. I consider it a very important show. Some important things to catch you up on that I haven't had a chance to talk about but are becoming more and more important by the day. This has to do with our government's response to two of the big tech monopolies, antitrust actions that I've been waiting for for years. Uh, but, uh, But I've got a couple of things to go over first before I launch into that, just like we talked about last week. I want to say something before I get started about the uh, WFMU Record Fair. Um, It's back, first time in years, and uh, it's coming up this weekend. It's coming up on Saturday and Sunday, that's October 14 and 15, at a place called the Knockdown Center, which is at 5219 Flushing Avenue in Queens. And uh, it's going to have dozens and dozens of tables of vinyls. Uh, CDs and there's food and drink and a lot of the um, a lot of the DJs WFMU staffers will be there and you get all that for 10 bucks for admission so it's both days this Saturday and Sunday in Queens uh, starting at 11 a.m. and it goes to 7 p.m. both days and uh, if you want to take the subway I mean don't don't be afraid of uh, the the fact that it's in Queens you can just take get on the L train and take it out to the Jefferson stop, and it's walking distance from there. So go on out to the Knockdown Center and um, and support the station. This is uh, this is one way that the station is able to stay live is by uh, is by running this event. And I'll also say something later in the show about our our October fundraiser, the Hellraiser that's going on right now. But um, hope you'll hope you'll come out to the Record Fair this weekend. Um, I also wanted to say happy day today we used to call it columbus day some people still do a lot of people now call it indigenous people's day uh and in fact that's the official observation most of the u.s now and one thing i learned today is that in two states south dakota and oklahoma it's called native american day did not know that and in uh, Hawaii, it's called Discoverers' Day, and in Alabama, it's called American Indian Heritage Day. So whichever one of those that I just mentioned, you're celebrating, happy that day, uh, and I I hope you have <laughs> hope you have a good celebration of whatever it is. But I guess we'll go with Indigenous Peoples Day because that is the uh, the most common uh, officially recognized one. So let's let's move on, shall we? By the way, if you want to if you want to chat during this show, uh, you can go to wfmu.org, click playlist and comments, and there are some tectonic fans already commenting there on the board. And if you are listening to a podcast or archive version of this show in the future, you can go to the Uh, the Tectonic website that's at tectonic.fm T-E-C-H tonic.fm and click the playlist link for today's show which is October 9, 2023 and you can read the uh, (laughs) considerable amount of material that I've posted for for your reading edification and you can below that in the future you will see the comments that your fellow listeners have posted throughout the show I cannot easily be on the uh, comment board during the show because I'm talking, and it's really, really hard to read comments and write a comment and say something on a completely different topic all at the same time. So, although I do have one eye on the comment board as I'm speaking. So, let's get to the main event. Um, There is something happening on the Internet, or rather, that the government is taking an action against two companies on on the Internet that is massively important, and it's getting some coverage uh, in national news. It's not like it's being ignored, but just generally in the public awareness of what's happening, uh, it's much, much less awareness than it deserves. And that's why I have been meaning to reserve a show just for this. And this is the antitrust actions that the US government is, is running right now Against two of the big tech monopolies one is Google, also known as alphabet but I'm just going to call it Google um, during this show and the other is Amazon So the the Google uh, there's a Google trial going on right now that is being prosecuted by the Department of Justice and there is a lawsuit, not yet a trial that has been uh, that has been launched against Amazon by, uh, by the U.S. government um, that is, is being represented by the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, which is run by Lena Khan. So you've got the DOJ on one side and you've got the FTC on another side <coughs> going over, going after, respectively, Google and Amazon. This, this is really good news. I mean, at a very uh, difficult moment in world news right now, which I'm not going to get into all of that, but at a, at a, and, and you know, week to week, just my own purview here on the show is just news and perspectives and, as of last week, off-Broadway plays that have to do with the tech industry. That's, that's what I cover here on Tectonic. Just within that narrow frame, there's a lot of bad news week to week, but I want to highlight that there is good news Around the tech industry right now, and that is that the government has put together two very good responses to the um, unethical behavior the uh, the deceptive behavior, and the uh, exploitative rapacious business models of Google and Amazon. That's very good news that something is happening there so you should you should feel good about that and I want to spend some time telling you why these are important and what's going on. Now I want to tell you at the outset, I have more to say about Google than I do about Amazon simply because not a whole lot has happened in the Amazon lawsuit. I can tell you what it's about, but there's in comparison on the Google side, uh there's a, the lawsuit is happening right now. And so a lot a lot has gone down and I can describe some of the beats in the lawsuit. But first we we've got to just go from the high level of why this is important. So I wanna, I wanna give you, in this hour, I wanna give you just a, a, uh, a, a 101, just an introduction, a, as they say, a 10,000 foot view of these two actions, this, uh, this trial and this lawsuit, so that you can, I hope um, you, you'll have some understanding when you see it in the news, and maybe you can bring it up to friends, family, uh, co-workers so that you can spread the word about this happening because the the more people pay attention to what's happening the I think the better chance we the people the the users or the people being used by these companies have a chance to really push back and fight for something better that is uh, that's that's more ethical and much more just on the internet okay so first let's dive into Google okay now Matt Stoller uh, had, a, had a really good, I think, uh, entry thought or entry comment as we launch into this, which I've posted on the playlist. Again, the playlist is at WFMU.org, click playlists and comments. <clears throat> and what Matt Stoller said, he, he writes the big newsletter, uh, and he's been covering antitrust, not just in tech, but in, in a lot of industries for years. And he writes the google antitrust trial is so much more important than ftx but compare the coverage and what he's talking about there when he mentions ftx is the trial of fraudster sam bankman fried who uh you know was was using crypto uh as a as a kind of a smokescreen for all kinds of financial fraud that that he was uh well, he would say that he didn't know it was happening in his own company. (laughs) Fraud was going down, but Benjamin Freed says, I didn't know about it. Uh, But anyway, whether that's for the, uh, that's for the court to decide whether he was culpable or not. But anyway, that SBF, as he's known, that SBF trial has gotten so much coverage because it's partly because it's probably more interesting. You have one villain. Everyone can kind of, laugh at at how uh uh how obvious some of some of the fraud was and and how obvious some of his missteps were and now he's getting his just desserts and now his his girlfriend his ex-girlfriend is going to testify against him and so that maybe there's some salacious stuff that we'll hear so that that sort of thing gets people interested But the FTX trial, while I'm glad it's happening, and I'm glad that they're gonna try to deliver justice on the the basis of the fraud that went down there, uh, that is much, much less important than what's happening in the Google trial. Let me just, let let me explain to you, friends, that Google um, has monopolized much of your experience online. It is incredibly influential to your online experience. And this is, the, this is the trial that could have any number of outcomes that could actually, uh, for example, break up Google into multiple companies. It could assess uh, penalties against Google. I, I don't know how far they could take it, but the, it, it, it's not much of an exaggeration to say that the future of the internet and certainly the future of the tech industry is riding on the outcome of this case the department of justice against google and so we have to pay attention to that it's much much more influential than people kind of laughing at whatever's happening in the ftx sam bateman Fried trial this is really important what happens with google so um let me give you another uh, bit of context which is that this this trial against google is the biggest trial and big in importance i mean the most important trial in the tech industry, for over 20 years. The last time something this important went down was when the Department of Justice, same same uh, institution that's going after Google, the DOJ went after Microsoft in the in the late 1990s. Um, I don't know how much you know or perhaps remember about what happened there, but at the time in the late 1990s, this was bef- before the the web really the web was was uh existed but it it hadn't really taken off yet it was just in its infancy uh the popular browser at the time was netscape navigator uh and these are early days okay and microsoft was a was a monopoly in the software industry which was the main part of the tech industry at that point, as opposed to now, it's everything is the internet, the web, the mobile app economy. None of those were either existing or influential at that time of the late 90s. Microsoft was the proverbial 800-pound gorilla that monopolized the software space. And it was just it was just really tawdry, the kinds of things that Microsoft was doing, um, in the tech industry, it was uh, it was squelching innovation. Microsoft's own software was just really gross and and mediocre to awful. I mean, it was the whole thing was just a, a, a trash heap, and it was so great that the DOJ went after Microsoft to say, "Hey, you've you have you have turned the tech industry into a trash heap." now we're we're gonna we're gonna take down this monopoly and in fact the trial ended with the 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 court ordering the breakup of microsoft into multiple companies it was a major major win microsoft then appealed and in june 2021 the appeal was decided in microsoft's favor so that's why microsoft was never broken up however going through that trial people got a much better awareness of how unethical uh, the behavior of Microsoft under Bill Gates' leadership had been. And within Microsoft, we've come to learn in the years since, um, executives were really skittish about doing anything that would raise more antitrust flags. Meaning, even though Microsoft technically won the antitrust case by, by, did I say 2021? I meant 2001, June, 2001. The first decision was handed down in 2000 and then the appeal was decided in microsoft's favor in 2001. but e- even though microsoft technically won the case uh the the executives inside were basically they decided to hamstring themselves they did not want to go after new entrants to squelch innovation quite so much and so you know what that opened the door for that opened the door for Netscape to actually survive uh, with, its, with its fledgling navigator browser, and, and by extension, the entire web economy was allowed to be born. The way journalists often write about the Microsoft case is to say that, to use the language that Microsoft wanted to kill the web in the crib uh, so, it, so it could not go past infancy. And the DOJ case, just the investigators going through that process, were able to save the web uh, and allow new companies to be born. Now, one of those, com- one of the companies that was then born in the wake of, uh, or a- actually had been born, but a- allowed to allowed to thrive in the wake of that DOJ antitrust trial against Microsoft, was Google. So. Microsoft was known as the evil empire, and rightfully so. It was doing all sorts of gross, unethical, exploitative, just just terrible things in the tech industry. And out of that DOJ case came this shining new little startup that said, we're going to be different. It was called Google. And Google said we are not going to be Microsoft. We're Whatever Microsoft did that was bad for users, we're going to do it That's the opposite, so it's good for users. Whatever Microsoft did that was bad for the tech ecosystem, we're going to do it the opposite, so we're actually going to be a good and ethical player in the tech e- ecosystem. We're actually going going to be doing things for good rather than for evil, as in the evil empire. And so in order to informally codify this, uh, this, this positioning of Google in opposition to how Microsoft acted, Google came up with this, uh, with this tagline or the slogan or motto internally, which was, you remember it? Let's all say it together, don't be evil. That's what Google's motto was, don't be evil. And what that meant was, don't be Microsoft. So Google, as of the early 2000s, was essentially branding itself, announcing itself to the world that we were going to be a company that is not Microsoft. Okay? That's what don't be evil means. That's Google in the early 2000s saying, don't be Microsoft because Microsoft was so evil the DOJ had to come after it. And now we get to 2023 and Google is I can't even believe that I can say this truthfully, but Google today is so much worse than Microsoft ever dreamed of being. I mean, Bill Gates must be really admiring Google's, uh, th- the depths of its depravity in its, in its behavior, um, in the deceitfulness and the ex- exploitation and just the general gross nature of everything that they do. Uh, so Google has has turned into Microsoft Plus, or maybe I should call it Microsoft Minus, because as bad as Microsoft was, Google is even worse. And so the DOJ has mounted a case that, that in a, in a way, parallels the DOJ's case from when it started in 1998. And we can look ahead and we can say, even if Google loses this case, and I hope, I hope it doesn't, I hope the DOJ absolutely nails Google on this. I hope they demolish, I hope they bury Google on this case. But even if Google scores a technical victory, there's also the very, even then, there's the very real possibility that Google, like Microsoft, will become nervous about doing anything that might trip another alarm of more antitrust behavior. And so they might be forced into some caution that turns them against their will into a less terrible company for some amount of time. And that might allow something good to be born, something actually good. And you, <laughs> you know, I guess the cycle starts all over again. A startup will come out and say, well, don't be googly, you know, or maybe they'll just use the original slogan and say, don't be evil. Uh, I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm very hopeful that something good will come out of this. Again, this is good news. So that's the context of where this, uh, where this trial, this DOJ trial against Google fits into the, the last, let's say 25 years of the tech industry, how it mirrors the, the last big antitrust trial, why it's so important, so important that we pay attention and that this trial come out with a good outcome for us. That, that that ends up really cutting down uh, Google, I almost said Microsoft, really cuts down on Google's power. I mean, the interesting thing is that the, the CEO of Microsoft has actually testified in the Google trial. And my thought was, man, when your behavior is so bad that they have to bring the Microsoft CEO and by comparison, The Microsoft behavior looks not nearly as bad as you. I mean, you are in a heap of trouble (laughs) when the Google when the government has come at you and is showing how abysmally bad your behavior has been. They use Microsoft as a counterpoint. My goodness. All right. Because Microsoft really has not changed very much over the years. Uh, They have better PR. I will give them credit. They do much better at PR than they used to when Bill Gates was. Uh, talking condescendingly to the investigators. Microsoft does better at their surface impressions these days. Okay, let's go back to this Google trial by the De- Department of Justice. Okay, so um, this I'm going to quote something from Axios. This is from September 1. Axios was just giving a little bulleted summary of the trial as it was getting started. Axios wrote, at its core, the case, the Google antitrust case, is about two key, two key questions. Number one, whether Google's exclusive deals with web browsers like Mozilla and its practice of preloading Google on Android as the default search engine are anti-competitive. And two, whether Google's Search Ad 360 product discriminates against ad features used by other search engines like Bing through slower development of ad tools for non-Google products. Okay, that was kind of wordy for a summary, but. What I want you to notice is that in those two bullet points, one of them had to do with um, defaults. And that is the tools that you, the user, have to use unless you go diving into a menu system to change the, the default option, okay, and the default search engine that, it must, it's 90 plus, it must be 95, 98, 99%. The default search engine on digital devices right now is Google. I mean, outside of China and, and countries that have closed off to, to uh, Western big tech companies. but within, But within big tech's purview, Google is the default. And that's not great for a competitive marketplace because as you may know, Whatever the device, let's just say it's a smartphone, whatever a smartphone comes preloaded with, whatever defaults it comes preloaded with, that's not going to change. In the vast, vast majority of cases, users are never going to go diving into a menu system to change. So if it's loaded up with Google, that phone is going to be a Google-searching phone for the duration of its lifetime as a a surveillance phone, and that's anti-competitive. Okay, when you only that's monopolistic behavior, when you only have effectively one option for a service. The other bullet point that Axios is bringing up is about the ad system where when you do a search on Google, the results page comes back and it's just littered with so, so many ads. And I've done a story on the Google um, ad business a few months ago. You can go back in the archives at tectonic.fm and or wfmu.org and you can listen to it because there's a lot of really really bad stuff happening within the google uh, ad network but for the doj case it's important just to know the the two main points are one google search being the default on uh, digital devices and number two the self-preferencing that google allows within its own ad system where it's sending traffic to its own products rather than to other advertisers' products. Okay, so um, there's a there's a story, and all this is on the playlist at wfmu.org. There's a story in the New York Times, uh, September sixth, by David McCabe and Cecilia Kang, that says the case centers on whether Google illegally cemented its dominance and squash competition by paying Apple and other companies to make its search engine the default on the iPhone. Okay, so th- this is the thing about the default. When you get a new iPhone, <laughs> I mean, you know if you buy an Android surveillance phone, that's, uh, it, it's it, Android is made by Google. It's going to be loading up Google search as the default search engine. But Apple, you know, it's funny because Apple, all the billboards that Apple has, I think there's one... Just by the uh, Lincoln Tunnel entrance that I went by recently, giant billboard, and it's for Apple, and it shows the new iPhone, and uh, and there's there it, it, it's Apple is always claiming that it's all about privacy, and even even uh, the iPhone billboard, I think says something about privacy, but it it zooms in on the giant cameras, all the lenses that are. Uh, that are all over this, this new iPhone. Anyway, at least for a company, Apple, that claims to be about privacy, isn't it strange that iPhones would, would, would name Google, Google Search, as the default? Because we all know Google is a surveillance company. When you use Google to search for anything, uh, you are signing on for Google to watch where you go, uh, what you interact with, where you go next, Everything that you do online is liable to be watched by Google and put into your dossier that Google then collects about you and will not share with you. Uh, And then it will uh, sell off slices of that dossier to advertisers. So basically you are giving up yourself into Google's surveillance engine whenever you use Google for a search. I, I can't stand it when people say, oh, just Google it. It's like, why would you use the word Google for search when using Google for search is so harmful to you and to everybody around you. Don't say just Google it. Just say look it up online or search for it. Don't use Google as a verb. It's just really counterproductive for people to do that. So anyway, Apple, this supposed privacy-focused company, is loading up Google as the default on all of its iPhones. Why would it do that? Why would a privacy focused company go to the least privacy-focused search engine ever uh, invented and make that the default for its millions and millions and millions of iPhones that it's sending out. The reason, of course, is why Apple does anything at all, and that is giant sums of money. Uh, You can go back and listen to my show a while back uh, called Why We Can't Trust Apple, and you can hear all about that. But the reason why Apple, lo- you should know this, the reason why Apple loads Google as the default search engine on iPhones is because Google pays Apple. Google pays Apple. And we don't know exactly how much yet. I think maybe this trial is going to reveal, but it is upwards of $10 billion a year. Apple gets a check from Google for, I don't know what it is, $12 billion, $15 billion a year. Google saying, here's the blood money. Let us spy on your users. Apple says, absolutely. Thank you very much. See you next year. So, Apple has sold off your privacy to Google. I hope you understand that. Apple, this supposed privacy focused, user focused company, has sold off your privacy by gladly accepting a check for over $10 billion per year to make Google Search the default search engine on its iPhone surveillance devices. So just keep that in mind. These companies are not ethical. They're not trustworthy. They are not operating in your best interest. You can't trust Apple. You certainly cannot trust Google. You can't trust Amazon. I hope I have some enough time to get to the FTC lawsuit to get into that. You certainly can't trust Microsoft. You can't trust Facebook. You can't trust any of these guys. Their growth at any cost, they will do anything. They will sell anything. They will say, they will lie about anything in order to keep up their growth. That's what they're doing to you. Don't say Google it. Say search for it and look for some other engine. Don't use Google, get off Google. So in in the beginning stages of this DOJ trial, against Google, it was really weird because Google, which is all about surveillance and spying on people, suddenly said, oh no, we want our privacy. You can't, you can't allow people to see the trial. We don't want the public to know what's going on in the trial, and we don't want you to release any of the documents. You have to understand, this is a, this is a lawsuit by the citizens of the U.S. against a a harmful monopoly, okay? The DOJ is our representatives, all right? The people are suing Google, not some other third party out there that's not answerable to us. No, it's us, it's our government that's suing them. And Google, which spies on us every day, says, oh, wait a second, now we want privacy. Because, of course, if we, the people, knew everything that Google was up to, there, there would be an uprising against this company. The, 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 the one thing these companies can't stand is bad PR. And Google is this close, as these things start dripping out, Google is this close to a major PR fiasco if people start learning just how depraved this company actually is, just how unethical the decisions are, the executives, the leadership have been making for years, lying to you, spying on you making money in all sorts of, of unethical ways. So in the trial, some of the documents have been released. Uh, maybe later on in the trial, I'll, I'll, I'll have a bumper to this on a, on a future show and talk about some of the revelations. But it's opened up a little bit. We haven't gotten all the access that we deserve, but it has opened up a little bit. But it's been interesting to hear Google's complaints that, oh no, we we don't <laughs> we don't want too much exposure of, of our stuff. It's like, do you even understand how hypocritical that is? Uh, and then there were there were witnesses that were called to testify. One of them is a past guest, uh, Gabriel Weinberg, who's the founder and CEO of a privacy-focused search engine called DuckDuckGo. He testified, and uh, this is from an article at BigTechOnTrial.com. I'm just going to read this. Weinberg described the the difficulty that users face in switching their default to DuckDuckGo away from Google, which he said is, quote, way harder than it needs to be. Weinberg added, quote, if you switch some of these defaults, eventually you're just going to be switched back to Google if you do nothing. So even and he didn't uh, he didn't elaborate, and I don't have more background on this, but I wonder if you switch your default on your iPhone from Google to either DuckDuckGo or there there are others, there are other alternatives that you could try. I wonder if. Apple has something in the guts of the iPhone that says, after a certain amount of time, just switch them on back to Google. And uh, with that little dark pattern, they're able to charge Google an extra billion? I have no idea. But anyway, there is some sort of setting that Weinberg is asserting uh, gets switched back outside of the user's wishes. There was uh, a New York Times story from September 20. With a headline, Google says switching away from its search engine is easy. It's not. And that's one worth reading. This is the New York Times and uh, really detailing how hard it is for people to even find the default switch in the first place and then to make it switch away from Google. Google is paying Apple a lot of money to, uh, to buy off your privacy off of your Apple iPhone surveillance device. And so Apple is doing its job. It got paid over $10 billion. It's making it hard for you to switch the default. That's, what, that's one of the main things this trial is about. Uh, let's see. There was one other thing that I wanted to say about search, and that is there was a Wired article from October 2nd called How Google Alters Search Queries to Get at Your Wallet. This was... Uh, really a blockbuster article. It got a lot of attention, a lot of sharing on Mastodon, uh, which is a social network I use now. And it was talking about how Google, this, this article asserts, alleges, that Google is even more unethical than we had even imagined in its Google search. It alleges that Google actually manipulates your search query after you type it in. Let me read you a little bit of this. When you enter a query, that is to say, when you type in something to search on Google, you might expect a search engine to incorporate synonyms into the algorithm, as well as text phrase pairings in natural language processing. But Google went further, actually altering queries to generate more commercial results. Okay, so, for example, let's say, you s- this is the Wired article, say you search for children's clothing okay those two words children's clothing google converts it without your knowledge to a search for nikolai brand kids wear i guess nikolai is a is a brand of kids wear so google converts your query children's clothing without your knowledge to a search for nikolai brand kids wear making a behind the scenes substitution of your actual query with a different query that just happens to generate more money for the company and will generate results you weren't searching for at all. It's not possible for you to opt out of the substitution. If you don't get the results you want and you try to refine your query, you're wasting your time. This is a twisted shopping mall you can't escape. And later on in the article it says, the next time you Google, again the verb, let's say, use Google, or let's say, unfortunately, end up using Google, remember that you're getting search results that have been skewed, not to help you find what you're looking for, but to boost the company's profits. Okay, so that was published on Wired.com on October 2nd, not that long ago, just a week ago. I've put the link to that, where the article was on the playlist. If you go to WFMU.org, click playlist and comments, you can click that link. You will not see the article. The article's been taken down by Wired with no real explanation. It says, a note from Wired leadership. After careful review of the op-ed, how Google alters search queries to get at your wallet, and relevant material provided to us following its publication, notice they don't say who provided it. They just say material provided to us, passive voice, Following its publication, Wired editorial leadership has determined that the story does not meet our editorial standards. It has been removed. Huh. I wonder who might have complained. No explanation. <laughs> no, uh, no other detail. No bullet point of, you know, no correction. No. Well, the article alleges this, and that's not true because, and you know, we're going to cite these other factual bases. Nothing. Very strange. You know, did you ever read 1984 and there was a thing, the memory hole, where something was published in, in Orwell's story, something had been published, and then Big Brother decides, oh, that actually was never published. And so they put it in the memory hole. So there's, they don't even give you a link to go read the original article that was apparently so offensive and so, uh, you know, out of mind, uh, dangerous that they can't even let you read what it was. All it says is there used to be an article here, somebody, we won't say who, said something about something and we took it down, the end. Is that where we're headed? The people who really criticize Google enough uh, are memory hold. I mean, look, if if there was a factual error, I'm totally open to that, tell me what it was. Tell me what the correction is. You know, maybe it wasn't Nikolai brand Kidswear. Maybe it was, what's another, Granimals. They still make those? I don't know. Maybe it was a different kids brand. Maybe it was a factual error. Okay, people make mistakes. But the general, the general thrust of that article that Google is doing weird, behind the scenes, slimy and sleazy things to Google search without your knowledge, that is true. I mean, th- that is hardly the only story that's bringing up that complaint. In fact, I don't know how to say this, but there's a lawsuit going on. There's a trial going on that has something to do with this. It's just really interesting that Google, let's just say who it was, Google forces Wired to take down that story with no extra explanation at the same time that they are begging the government not to reveal their dirty deeds to the public, to the American public. It's just really interesting to me. Like I said, this is very important for us to pay attention to, to talk about, to cover, and I hope to return to in a future show. Because when you have places like Wired that are being strong armed by Google not to even w- give a whisper about what someone alleges, you know that Google's behind the scenes trying to shut this down. Try to shut this down, Google. Let me say something about WFMU, because now's the time I want to say something about the October Hellraiser. This show has not yet been shut down by Google. And it's not going to be shut down by Google as long as I'm on the air. Because this radio station does not depend on big tech advertising. Unlike some other media sources that I could name. WFMU doesn't take big tech advertising. You ever hear, oh, make sure to subscribe to blah, blah, blah on, uh, on, your, on your Google surveillance device on your kitchen counter? No, we don't get into that. We don't do underwriting. You don't hear any ads, any underwriting. That's because this is a free-form station. The show I'm trying to give you tonight to tell you the truth about what's happening in the tech industry, you're not going to hear anywhere else. You know Why? Because WFMU is is a unique place. We don't play all that stuff. The reason this radio station is alive and continues to bring you the, the, the best programming that you can find from any radio station is because of your support, listener support. It's because of your donations, your pledges. Okay, So if you find this helpful... You And you have a couple of extra dollars. I know some people just simply don't have the financial wherewithal at the moment. I understand that. But if you have the financial ability to support this station and you find this show helpful or you find other shows on, on the schedule helpful, you need to go to WFMU.org. You need to pledge. And I, I, I make one pitch a show for the month of October as part of our uh, monthly or uh, October fundraiser. it's called the Hellraiser. I make one pitch. Um, and this is it, friends. If this is important for you to be able to have a source that tries to tell you the truth about how these these tech giants are screwing around with your internet, you got to make that donation. You got to go to WFME.org. Click the pled w- pledge widget, put in a few dollars or put in a lot of dollars. This is how, this show works is through your support at WFMU Um, I'm a volunteer okay so you're not paying me anything you you are paying everybody on on air is a volunteer okay so what you're paying for the the ten dollars the hundred dollars is going to pay for the lights the electricity the internet bandwidth which is a considerable bill uh, giving people podcast access and archive access for, for decades, you know. Um, it, 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 puts, uh, it, it puts water in the cooler so DJs can actually drink a, a little drink of water uh, once in a while. <laughs> you know, these are important. These are important, and this, this uh, radio station runs on a shoestring budget. So your money is going to go a long way. So I hope that if you're finding this show helpful, either this episode or just tectonic in general, go to WFMU.org, click that widget. Um, I got a few more since since last week, but it's, it's still a little on the low side. So I want you to show me if you appreciate this show, I want you to go pledge. All right. That's all I'm going to say about that. I want to, um, before I run into a little bit on Amazon, I want to play you a little, just as a palate cleanser, I want to play you a little commercial from back when technology was not so screamingly horrible all the time, uh, when it actually was kind of fun, and there were actual TV commercials about how fun technology could be. This is a 30-second spot for, well, you'll figure out who it is, and I'll and I'll be right back.
1: You want to play Berserk? You're on. Hey, where are you going? What, video? You can't play Berserk at home. Now you can. Atari! It's Berserk inside an electric maze where robots shoot with electric rays. Take that, turkey! So look out, don't get trapped, or you might get fast. Berserk is here from Atari. Can you do that? And only for systems from Atari. Have you played Atari
0: today? Have you played Atari today? Well, um... I have not, but I do remember playing on the Atari 2600 when it came out, and there's a bunch of these old TV commercials for Atari, and they all have that, that um, musical tagline at the end. Have you played Atari today? That was kind of fun. You know, what's, what is the worst thing that's going to happen if a kid plays Berserk with his grandmother? I, let's be honest. Not many grandmothers were playing Berserk back in those days, but these days plenty of grandmothers play video games And if they were as innocent and um, non-surveilling as those early games on the Atari, it would be a lot more fun. Alas, the tech industry is dominated by unethical monsters, these monopolistic giants, two of whom are in big trouble with us, the American people, the U.S. government, uh, our representatives, one being Google. Google the search monopoly and the ad monopolies slash duopoly with Facebook um, being being sued in trial right now uh, from the Department of Justice and the other Amazon, a lawsuit that is not yet at trial, but it has uh, begun from the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC. By the way, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Tectonic on WFMU. My name is Mark Hurst, and I'm around for another Man, how long do I have to get through Amazon? Maybe five minutes, and because I have kind of a fun uh, outro song that's along these same lines. And then Dave Mandel's going to come in uh, at the top of the hour with "It's Complicated," his prog rock show. Uh, and then uh, Jim and Amanda do "Bad Animals," and then we've got the eponymous show by Brother Daniel Blumen, taking us from 9 p.m. Eastern all the way to midnight. And so I hope you will stay tuned. For them, and I hope you will um, be generous in, their, uh, in your response to their pitches that will come up in their shows as well. So let me say in the few minutes I have left, let me say something about this FTC lawsuit against uh, Amazon. So uh, FTC, and it's not, by the way, it's not just the FTC. It's the FTC and 17 states. Okay, so there, there's fed, on the federal level, the FTC, and on the state level, Uh, The states, 17 of them, have joined forces to launch this lawsuit, this antitrust suit against Amazon for monopolization and unfair methods of competition, which is what monopolies do. They act unfairly. I would add it's unethical to be unfair, but Amazon leadership has no compunction about being unethical, and so they do it. Because why? Because Amazon is a growth-at-any-cost company. Now, you can look at that, and you can say, well, you know, okay, maybe they were unfair to some of their third-party sellers. Maybe they are kind of exploitative to their warehouse workers. Maybe they are kind of terrible to localities where they have local governments signing NDAs um, before they they create a really terrible deal to put in a, 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 um, a data center, something I've covered on some past shows maybe they've done this, that, and the other thing that's kind of bad, but I really like Amazon because it's so convenient. That's what some people may say. Some of these other people out there, workers, uh, local governments, uh, third-party sellers, maybe they're all being exploited and treated unfairly, but me, for me, it's so convenient to use Amazon, so I use it all the time. So first, uh, leaving aside the obvious problem with that logical leap that you don't you're not concerned about the exploitation of others, uh, because, you know, when a company is exploitative, eventually you're on the menu. Okay, so when they exploit workers, that means they're coming for you at some point. That's why you should never, if you have a choice, never support an exploitative company because they're coming for you. If if you're not already on the menu, you will be soon. You, you gotta have empathy for other people when they're being mistreated by a company because you're gonna be one of those people, okay? So a- Amazon is exploitive in all these other ways that we've talked about on past shows. This uh, monopoly, this antitrust lawsuit from the FTC is actually bringing up an additional set of concerns that show how you, the customer, are getting screwed by Amazon. Oh, you haven't heard? You thought Amazon was great. Oh, I've got my Amazon Prime subscription. I get free shipping, and it's so convenient. Do you not know how you've been had? Don't you understand the con? Let me break it down for you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, draw on a great article by Pat Garofalo. Remember Pat Garofalo? We talked with Pat Garofalo on the show just a couple months ago. Go back and listen in the archives at WFME.org or tectonic.fm, Pat Garofalo, look him up. He writes a boondoggle newsletter, and on October 3rd, he wrote a, a piece called, you paid to build Amazon's monopoly power. Yep, basically, this whole con is for you to pay more and pay more and pay more so that Amazon can skim it and you won't have choices to buy from anybody else. You're gonna have to pay inflated prices That free shipping is not free shipping. It's not free shipping. You paid for the free shipping. You paid for it in inflated prices and now decreased choice. Okay, here's how it works. I'm almost out of time. Uh, The FTC has filed a high-profile lawsuit against Amazon, uh, alleging everything I just said. Uh, The heart of the case is the allegation that Amazon imposes a, quote, hidden tax on consumers and sellers that use its platform, raising prices as a way to mask that the free shipping promised to Amazon Prime subscribers is not really free at all. Why? Because, listen, sellers, the third-party sellers, they're not allowed to sell their products for lower prices elsewhere on the web, including on their own websites, or else they'll get punished by Amazon, basically buried. For instance, there's a recent case of an Amazon seller getting dinged just for lowering their cost by $0.05 cents on a non-Amazon website. This all lead, This is Pat Garofalo. This all leads to Amazon collecting nearly half of what sellers on its platform make from a sale. How, can you imagine? I was railing against Apple and Google with that mafia-level tax of 30%. Amazon is skimming almost half of a sale from sellers. And since sellers is Garofalo and since sellers have to hand over all that to Amazon without lowering prices on other websites, you, you the consumer, you ultimately pay more than you would otherwise, not just on Amazon, but across the internet. Okay. So do you understand now Amazon is not a good deal for you. The free shipping is not free shipping. Prime is not a good deal. The sellers out there are being exploited. The workers are being exploited. Why would you want to do business with this company? Unless you don't have a choice. And I understand some people don't have a choice with some products, but a lot of products, you do have a choice. You got to abandon Amazon. I hope the FTC buries this company and you should hope that too, for the good of all of us. That's about the time I have for this evening. Oh man. You've been listening to the greatest radio station in the world, WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. Hey, if you've got comments, I'm at Mark at WFMU.org. And I want you to stay tuned for Dave Mandel and it's complicated. And I've got some homework for you. Until next time, friends, you know exactly what to do. Avoid Apple. Abandon Amazon. Forget Facebook. And whatever you do, get off Google and as promised, I have kind of a fun uh, outro for you. This is, uh, there was another TV commercial. Remember I played the Atari TV commercial for you? There was another really peppy and catchy TV commercial back in the 1980s for Commodore. Remember the Commodore 64? Some of you do. And uh, it, it's um, is a song, it's a full song called Keeping Up with Commodore. And there's this guy, Anders, Anders Enger Jensen, who has come up with a, a, a remix that I think just amplifies how fun this song is? So we're going to hear "Keeping Up with Commodore" by Anders Enger Jensen, and uh, hope you have a great week, everybody. And I'll see you next time.
1: When it comes to video games, nobody compares to Atari.
2: I find in television more sophisticated and lifelike. Gentlemen, move over for my friend Commodore Home Computer System. Commodore does more than your machine.
0: We- <laughs> Yeah.
2: Ah, that sweet sound tells you it's time for another week, another episode of It's Complicated, an hour of Prague and Prague-adjacent music. I'm your host, Dave Mandel. I'm here every Monday at exactly this time, which is 7 p.m. Thanks for joining me. So much, so very much good music for you tonight. Now, you may know, if you've been listening to FMU the last few days, I hope you have, that it's what we call singles going steady week which we do every year and as you might guess if you don't already know it means that uh, most of us are featuring singles 7 inches uh, 45's on our on our shows uh, some some shows are playing only 45's only singles you get the idea that's a little difficult for me frankly doing a prog rock show. There are not very many prog rock singles in the world, I've got to say. But I'm going to play one. I'm going to play a single single to start the show tonight. And it's a favorite of mine. And what this is, is Peter Blegvad. You may recognize his voice. And this is a, uh, an item that, well, it's a long story. It's, it's, it was, a, it was a, a bonus single released by the label, recommended records, long story, you don't, you don't need to hear all the details just now, but uh, it was a 7-inch um, with, with songs by a few artists on it, Peter Blegved, homosexuals if I remember correctly, or Stevie Moore maybe, so we're going to hear the Peter Blegved track from that untitled single, it's a song called Actual Frenzy, and here is my, contri- my humble contribution to singles going steady week.
3: First, that a wheel like a mill wheel stands between two trees. Then, that the trees store a substance in their foliage, which they broadcast in installments to the wheel. Then, that this substance lubricates and nourishes the wheel and makes it turn. Then, that two men are walking inside the wheel. Then, that their walking turns it. turning forces them to be always walking, then that the foliage blows green, then that the nourishment broadcast is envy, that if the wheel had what it wanted it wouldn't turn and the men would not be walking, then that even turning slowly the wheel is emblem of a kind of frenzy. Then that a space extends to either side of trees and wheel and recedes to a horizon behind them. Then that much of this space is peopled. Then that the space advances to constitute a foreground and that this foreground encompasses a pit. Then that certain people in the space are holding objects. Then that in a space like this one, an object is the attribute of whoever bears it just as saints in icons bear as attributes the implements which killed them. Then that in a space like this one, even a wheel like a mill wheel has an attribute, the continuous chain of buckets which it drives. Then that when the wheel turns, buckets rise from the pit full of rocks and mud, empty themselves down a chute at the top of the chain and return down the other side, bottoms up for more. Then that a bucket descending empty is the emblem of residual frenzy. Then that a bucket coming up full is the emblem of potential frenzy. Then that a bucket as it empties is the emblem of actual frenzy.
2: Peter Blackvad, Actual Frenzy, a single or a track from a, I think a three-track single. I think it was a one-sided single, one-sided seven-inch that was released. It was just a special item that was put out by Recommended Records in the 80s. And it was also, it was later released, there's hope, there's hope, folks. It was later released, uh, included on the reissue of the P- Peter Blackvad album, Downtime. The CD of Downtime by Peter Blackvad actually has that. Uh, included as a bonus track, so it is available out there somewhere if you're interested. So from from a from a single to the the anti single, we're going to hear a track. We're going to hear a really long track. I debated about playing this, but but you know, no no regrets, no doubts. We're going to forge ahead. We're going to hear something from a group called Common Turn. Common Turn with a K. And they were a French group, French Prague slash jazz group from the early 70s. And we're going to hear, I couldn't decide what track to to play from this album. And I I was leaning away from this piece I'm going to play because it's 16 and a half minutes. But I thought, you know what, what the heck, the door's locked here. No one one can come in and grab the laptop out of my hands. So we're going to go with it. This is a really great track from... Uh, from an album again from the French group Comintern, Comintern with a K, the album is called La Balle du Rat Mort, and uh, approximately, and uh, 16 and a half minutes of French wonderfulness, here it is.